Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Welcome back. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor of Compass. As always, delighted that you are with me here online. And uh, just so you know, one of my favorite social media accounts that I follow is an account called Preachers and Sneakers. But I have to admit that I'm also very conflicted by it. Now, what Preachers and Sneakers does is it captures social media posts from famous or celebrity pastors, and it reposts the image with the current cost of the shoes or accessories that they have on in the picture. So, for example, here's one where a pastor has a pair of Air Jordans that are selling for $965. Here's, here's one with some strange Princetown slippers that run for $1,100. Here is a sweet jacket that would set you back around three grand. Uh, some Yeezys at $3,700. And finally, a pair of Jordan Retro High Dior shoes that go for a whopping $8,100. The response to preachers and sneakers has been mixed between those who are like outraged that past pastors would live in such extravagance. And then there are others who say, you know, hey, they're getting paid to do a job and they're apparently doing it at a high level, so why shouldn't they get paid for it? And who are we to judge what they spend their money on? Now, I lean towards the first, but I also know that it's all relative because what's extravagant for some, it might be totally normal for others. I mean, these are the most expensive shoes that I have ever owned, okay? These are Hoka's, and I, with shipping, I spent $145 on them. Now, granted, I had to get them because I have ankle problems, and my physical therapist recommended them. But I know that some people, and maybe even you, would never spend that much money on a pair of shoes. Spending $150 on a pair of shoes is just insane. And it, it may be because you can't justify spending that much on something that you would consider to be a luxury, or maybe you just honestly can't afford it. And I feel that same weird tension when I look at preachers and sneakers. I mean, what is a justifiable luxury and what is an extravagant waste of money at the expense of more important things? Things like helping the poor or feeding the hungry or advancing the kingdom of God. But it's not just the tension between luxury and helping others, I think, that I struggle with on Preachers and Sneakers. There's this third thing communicated by these posts that are highlighted on this account that, that kind of gets me, and it's this. If I follow Jesus correctly, I will have nice things. That's an idea that gets communicated from Preachers and Sneakers to me. It's, if I follow Jesus right, I'll have more money, I'll have better health, better clothes, better shoes, and better looks. I mean, seriously, all of these guys and their wives, they look like models. And if they're following Jesus as, as well as it seems they are, and they must be because they have huge followings and they're church famous, and if they have all the outward trappings of comfort, of health and wealth, then shouldn't my life look like that if I follow Jesus well, like it appears that they are? This idea is actually promoted in certain theological circles as as the prosperity gospel or word of faith. And it goes something like this. It says, God wants me to be happy and prosperous. Therefore, if I'm following him in the right way, and if I have enough faith, good things will come to me. I, I will have money and wealth. I will have health. And if I get sick, I'll be healed. 
Because God wants only good things for me as, as long as I have enough faith and as long as I'm practicing that faith in the right way. And this theology, it teaches that God wants you to have all of the comforts and blessings that life has to offer. And, and, and people who preach it, it's, they base it on Bible verses like John 14, 14, where it says, um, yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. This statement, this idea is actually something that's repeated several times in the Gospels by Jesus. And Word of Faith teachers say that this is the proof that no Christian should ever be sick or in poverty because all they have to do is ask in Jesus' name to be released from that. And as long as they have faith to believe it, then it is theirs for the asking. In fact, the reason that you don't have health and wealth it is because you are asking God correctly. I mean, James 4.2 says this, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And so some who preach prosperity gospel or word of faith would even teach that if you are poor or if you're in bad health, it's because you have a sin issue that's standing between God and your physical and financial healing. But as long as your sin is dealt with and as long as you have enough faith, then health and wealth are God's will for your life. In short, they would teach that Christians should be people who live in prosperity. And if you aren't prosperous financially or physically or relationally, then there's something wrong. But is that true? I mean, should I be able to afford expensive, fancy sneakers if I follow Jesus? Will my health and relationships all be good if I put my faith in him? Will I not have to face hard circumstances? This is a question that Christians have been wrestling with for generations. And it's a question that Jesus addressed early and often in his ministry. We started talking about this last week, in fact, when we talked about how the cost of following Jesus is actually higher than you think, but it's always worth it. So does that mean that I'm more committed to Jesus? Or if I'm more committed to Jesus, that the better my life will be materially? Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about that in Matthew chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 18. So when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. So when I imagine this scene that this story takes place in, it actually does feel very preachers and sneakers to me. I mean, Jesus was famous. He was a celebrity preacher, and people came from miles in huge crowds to hear him preach. And, and here we find him surrounded by such a large crowd that he actually tells his disciples to, to back into the boat and cross the lake so that they can just get some alone time. Based on this premise, one could almost imagine Jesus in his Yeezy sandals or, you know, a Gucci belt clinched around his Christian Dior tunic. And then, out of the crowd comes a teacher of the law who was so inspired by Jesus and what he taught that he said he was willing to follow Jesus anywhere. But check out Jesus' reply in verse 20. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never bought a car and had the dealer say, you know, just so you know, this car is going to be really difficult to drive and you probably won't like it. That's never happened to me. 
But it seems like that's exactly what Jesus is doing. I mean, this man, this teacher of law is saying, I'm in, Jesus. I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' response is, cool, but just so you know, I don't really have anything. Uh, I live off money that is donated by other people. I travel town to town without any real idea of where I'm going to be staying, if there even is anywhere to stay. And I don't even have a place that's my own to come back to when I'm off the road. I mean, basically, if you want to follow me, don't expect it to be comfortable. Now, that doesn't seem to line up with what the prosperity and word of faith verses say. I mean, why didn't Jesus just ask God for a house? Couldn't he have been like, you know, Father, I ask you for a sweet house in my name. Amen. So what is Jesus really saying to this man? Well, I think what he's saying is pretty clear. And it's this, following Jesus does not guarantee your life will be materially better. Meaning that just because you follow him, it doesn't mean you will have more money, nicer things, better health. It's not a guarantee that bad things will not happen to you anymore. In fact, I mean, look at what Jesus said in John 16, 33. It says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. I mean, that's right to the point, isn't it? You will. And it's a point that's repeated over and over again in the New Testament. I mean, look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And he wrote this in Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Almost as if Paul's saying, it's a package deal that when you're granted belief in Christ, you're also granted suffering. And then Paul, you know, this is the craziest thing. Paul didn't just write this stuff. Paul lived it. Look at what he says about his own life in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's when they throw rocks at you, not, you know, that. He continues, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, I might be going out on a limb here, but that's not on the Christianity brochure, is it? Like, there's nothing on there that says... Follow Jesus, get whipped, beaten, shipwrecked, and starved, and not have enough clothing to keep you warm. You know, join Compass, you'll be miserable. That is not on the front page of our website. And yet that's what Jesus and Paul are both preparing us for. I take that back. Jesus isn't preparing us to be miserable. He's preparing his followers to face circumstances that could make people miserable. And the truth is, they aren't that different from the circumstances that people who don't follow Jesus face. I mean, 
People who aren't Christians get cancer, lose their jobs, face bankruptcy, have failed marriages, and suffer. But so do followers of Jesus. Paul may have followed Jesus better than anyone who came before or after him. Yet on a surface level, his life sucked. But he never gave up. And all we have to do is just go a little deeper to find out why. Because Paul writes this in Romans 5 verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul discovered that following Jesus didn't give him material prosperity. It didn't improve his physical world, but his spiritual world. You see, struggling makes us strong. Our trials are the means by which God grows us. I mean, I mentioned earlier that I'm in physical therapy for an ankle injury right now. And, and one of the things my therapist has me doing is standing on one leg, on my bad leg, and then bending over to touch Orin cones that are spread out in a half circle in front of me. Now, it may sound like a silly playground exercise, but in my current state, it is crazy hard and it is super painful. I mean, when I'm on that one leg touching these cones, my whole leg is just shaking as these muscles that have been injured or haven't been used properly in months are starting to be activated. And I, I keep falling over like a newborn baby giraffe. And sometimes I feel like I'm never gonna be able to do it. But I know that touching the cone isn't the real goal. The goal is the struggle to do it because the struggle is what's making my ankle strong again. And without that struggle, I'll remain weak and incapable of the kind of activities that I wanna do and live the life I want. If I'm not strong, I can't run, I can't jump, I can't walk around Disney all day. I can't do those things if I don't go through the struggle to be strong. Look at how James puts it in James chapter one. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Jesus' intention for his followers was never to give us wealth and prosperity or to remove our problems. Comfort is not the goal of the Christian life. Jesus' intention is for us to grow, to be stronger, to be perfected in his image, needing nothing. It's about bringing meaning and purpose to a life in which problems are a certainty. It's really more like the anti-prosperity gospel. Because the gospel is not good news because all of our problems will be taken away and we'll be given health and wealth. It's good news because in Jesus we have something better. We have the perfect experience of God's love and presence with us as we walk through this imperfect and broken world and are being made perfect like him. Like we don't know whether the teacher of the law ended up following Jesus or not, but I like to think that he did. I like to think as well that you and I will do the same, that we'll be willing to put aside comfort 
and embrace the cost of following Jesus for the ultimate fulfillment that comes from your life being transformed. Not for a renovation of your sneakers, but for a renovation of your soul. And my prayer for you is that even though the cost of living and following Jesus may seem high, that you recognize the ultimate value of belonging to him, experiencing his love, his hope, and his purpose, no matter what the cost. And I can join with Paul and the millions of others who have made that choice in telling you that it's worth it. And if you're a Christian who's been struggling because the material circumstances of your life are still hard, you're not alone. And you can take heart in the fact that even though Jesus may not take away all of our problems, he is at work in you. He's perfecting your life on the inside in ways that you can't even imagine. He loves you and he's with you. And no matter what you are facing, you are not alone. And if you need support or help or just encouragement, I would just invite you, fill out the digital connection card that's on the description line of this video because we are here for you too. Jesus suffered. His disciples suffered. Paul suffered. They all struggled because they live in the same world that you and I do. Jesus' invitation is for you to come to him and begin to make sense of those struggles, to find purpose in those struggles, to find strength in those struggles. And I hope you will. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.